Amen. Since we're a little slow on time today, or we had so many extra songs, let's uh, go to Luke 4, 1 through 8. Remember, we are talking about seven kingdoms that are in this earth that was at creation given to mankind, Adam and Eve. They transgressed, they fell. Then the temptation of Jesus is listed here in Luke 4, 1 through 8. Can I have that on the screen? It is Father's Day. There you go. Hallelujah. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended afterward, he was hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms, plural, of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power, every kingdom has power, will I give thee, and the glory, and every kingdom has glory attached to it, for that is delivered unto me. That was at the fall of Adam and Eve. Eve, Eve, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, abundance of the heart. And to whomsoever I will give it. If thou wilt therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here we see kingdoms, plural. Now we have talked about these kingdoms. The word kingdom means a people or a region, a territory, a zone, a sphere that is under a king's domain. And so whosoever is under this domain is ruled by the king. And what they do is they carry out that king's will, his decrees, and his purposes. That's what a king does. He, he reigns and he direct, directs or dictates what the servants or the people there under that rule are going to do. Now, so whoever is under his rule, they then become reflections of his will, his decrees, and his purpose. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, what kingdom that he's in. And so we begin to find out that there are kingdoms, plural, in the earth today. And these kingdoms are established or were established by God that knows the end the beginning to the end. And so God knows everything that it takes to develop culture, and the word culture simply means a belief system that is dedicated to something or to somebody. A culture is a culture that is surrounded by a list of values, beliefs, 
worships, attitudes, responses, and reactions. That is a culture. That's why one culture is different than another. They have been influenced by the rulership of that nation. Now, we come to the place that God has these kingdoms set up. Satan has taken authority of these kingdoms. They are under his rule. He is the God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of this world. Now, these kingdoms that he rules, there are six of them. God rules the kingdom of the church. But the kingdom of the family, the kingdom of education, the kingdom of government, the kingdom of finances, the kingdom, kingdom of entertainment, and the kingdom of media. These are the six points that develop or frame or transform the culture of our nation or the culture of any nation. And what happens is that these kingdoms are ruled by principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. Now, we've talked about that. Today, we're going to talk about the first kingdom, and this is the kingdom of the church. And this is where God rules or God has his domain through people. And what he does is he speaks to them, reveals his will, makes decrees, and unveils his purpose to the church. The church is the most powerful of these representative or of these kingdoms that rule in the earth today or carry out the will, the decrees, and the purpose of a king. Now, let's go to Exodus 3, 7 and 8. We'll show, I'm sorry, it's a... Uh, Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Sorry about that. Forgive me, it's Father's Day. Exodus, Exodus 19, 5 and 6. And it says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice, now that is a part of God's will, and keep my covenants, that ye shall be a peculiar, peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation, and these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now we see that God chooses Israel based upon an agreement. You must allow me to rule you, to have dominion over you, to influence you, for you to carry out my will, my decrees, and my purposes. And as long as you do that, then you will be a nation unto me, and I will rule through you. Now, the church is not the kingdom. It is reflective of the kingdom of God. But the church is the church. The kingdom of God is made up of angelic beings. The church is not. It is made up of four-headed beasts. The church is, well, <laughs> it's not supposed to be. And uh, so uh, we see that this is a beginning where God is going to rule through a people if you obey my voice. Now let's go to Exodus 3, 7 through 8. Exodus 3, 7 through 8. Just trying to bring everybody up to par to where we are. And it says this, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. 
which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And it says, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Remember, we looked at that word Egyptian. It simply means an assembly. The word Egypt means an assembly. People that have assembled themselves together against the purpose of God. And then and it says, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, and the Prezirites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That are, those are six kings that Israel had to overthrow in the place or in the land of Canaan that God was taking them. Those are representative of the six kingdoms that are ruled by demonic beings, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. Now, Israel was set free, the land was given to them, but they had to deal with these kingdoms. Remember, God warns them, don't let your sons and daughters marry into them. Why? These six kingdoms must become ruled by people that are ruled by God. If not, these six kingdoms will develop, will shapen, will conform, transform, will maneuver, will deceive, will shape or create a culture that is without what? The rule of God in their life. Now, we can plainly see simply by looking at people today that they are, they are sculptured or shaped by these six kingdoms in some way, shape, or form. And so we're going to be talking about them. But today we want to stick with the church. We want to talk about it. So I want to talk to you about the purpose of the church. A purpose can be seen by an example that is laid out in Scripture or by the emphasis of what a Scripture is talking about. So when you look at a Scripture and if you constantly see that something is being emphasized, then you understand that the apostle, the prophet that is writing that inspired scripture is trying to get across to you a purpose or something that needs to be accomplished. So to get an amen. amen. All right. Now, the purposes of the church as individuals, we are the church. Church is not made up of buildings, but the church does have buildings like the Tabernacle of Solomon like uh, the synagogues that Peter uh, and Paul ministered into, like the porch of Solomon's temple where the early church met. And even in houses, they met in house to house. So there are buildings that the church dwells in. The building itself is not a church. The church is made up of believers, believers that have been called out and that have submitted themselves to the rule of God. So the church is you and I, made up of individuals that join together. So every individual, when it talks about the purpose of the church, it talks about the purpose of every individual and the purpose of the church corporately. Now let me say something about, I mean, no, I better not say that. That'll make half the people mad. Uh, 
was not preaching. It's just my personal opinion. Uh, so I better not say that. People, the early church, within the first six months, grew to over 10,000 people. The church at Ephesus was over 20,000 people. In other words, there were no podunk small churches in the early church. Why? Because they were kingdom-minded and they took cities and the world. But what happens today is people want churches to be ordered to their comfortability. There is the 12th factor that is in the scripture. Israel uses the 12 sons of Jacob as the 12, 12 personalities of mankind. Interesting. But that's what they view it. They view, believe that the 12 sons of Jacob was the fullness of God's presentation of the personalities of man. And then you look at, they had 12 nations, they have 12 seasons, we have 12 months, I mean, yeah, 12 months in a year, and so 12 has to do with the fullness factor. Now, in a church, no matter how big or how small, you're going to be associated with 12 couples or 12 families. Your church is no bigger than the 12 people that you know or the 12 families that you associate yourself with. Oh, but we go to a big church. It's the same size as a church down the road that you came out of that was 40 people. You did not associate with 40 people. You associated with 12 major personalities that help shape your life and strengthen your faith. But because of the misconception that, well, I'm in a big church, so I'm not known. Well, if you're coming to a church to be known by, I don't know who you're wanting to be known by. You should be known by 12 people. Move within that sphere, minister, care for, help one another as the 12 apostles did as they shaped the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, this 12 factor is in scriptures. It's interwoven all through scripture. Israel didn't go outside of the 12 tribes of Israel to marry, to build their faith, or to establish a faith, or to have a worship system or anything else. It was all within their 12 people. Their 12 facets, one to another. So when people think about a big church or a small church, well, that's great, but, and I'm not trying to be mean, but let's just talk reality. Can we just talk reality? Take this little religious mask off. And when we have churches of 40 people, guess what they don't do? They don't reach the world. They pay their bills. Yeah. But because of the minuscule, shrunken mindset of people fearful of losing identity. Let me tell you something. When I made the transition 
from pastoring 15 or 20 people, the Lord asked me, are you ready to pay the price? I said, what price? He said, you're not going to know everybody that I'm going to bring to your church. Now, if you're ready for that, I'm ready to bring increase. But if you can't take it, I'll leave you right where you are. I've heard people say this. Well, we don't want our church to grow. But just how many people are going to send to hell to protect that little group? See, you want your family saved, but everybody else can go straight to hell. I don't think this is where I was supposed to go. But it's, it's good. And I'm telling you the God's truth. I have seen more churches lose good people because of a selfish, fearful identity crisis that people in a church have. You know people lose their identity when they don't have the same chair. It's the truth. Yeah, people lose their identity when things don't go. That's why they don't like change. Change is good. It makes you grow up, mature, and move into a new level of gifts. Amen. And so we, as people of God, have got to quit buying into the lie that everything has to rotate around our comfortable state or some place that we are relaxed at. Now, that's great, but I'm just telling you that you are not going... You, you know, there when, when Philip, when the church was persecuted, there were believed to be over 25,000 people dispersed out of the Jerusalem church, and the church at Jerusalem still thrived. Nobody has a small mentality. They have a kingdom mentality. You know, people say, well, you know, well, we'd like to do something. Pencils and newspapers in cardboard boxes as big as a shoebox is not going to change the world. You, you, want to, you want to know hard cost? Start doing a crusade. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me tell you something. You want to know why I preach all the time, on the road all the time? Because every time I have a crusade, I got to dip into P PDM, and I got to take out 50000 to sixty to $70,000 to reach fifty or 60,000 people. Yeah. You say, man, that's a lot of preaching. Well, I get paid good. And not that I charge anything, but they bless me. I have favor on my life. When I moved into the realm of the miraculous, I got favor. Now, you might say, oh, that's not worth it. Really? What if your mama was in that crowd and she didn't get saved? You see, we have got to stop making it about us. We, the Bible said, now go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Could I get an amen? Preach the gospel to the world. We have got to stop being just community inhabitants. We're bigger than that. We're more than that. We're better than that. We're, we are trusted with more than that. We are trusted with a world that does not know Jesus Christ. And they have to find him. It's not about us. If it was about us, I'd be home all the time. There's no place I want to be 
other than my church. That I just I do what I do because the world is lost. And I am commanded by God, be sought, beseeched, really invoked by my Father to go to the world and to win souls. Not that I like it. I don't like it. I'm, I'm telling you, I've called fellows before and wept on the phone. I'm, I'm, listen to me. I don't like that stuff, but who else is going to do it? I know, well, somebody will come along. I know it. It won't be you. Because we got a little, this little, little, little church mind. Listen, when you have more revenue coming together and people behind a vision, you can accomplish something. Amen. And when you get to heaven and one of those right now two and a half million people knock on your door and say John Franz God just told me that it was your work of love that I am here my mama and daddy are following right behind me but I just wanted to say thank you they're coming and they're going to say thank you now that's just now I, I don't I'm not going to die until I get five million and after I get five million, then, hey, I'm ready to go to home. Then somebody else can pick it up and do it. That's why I'm training people. That's why I take other pastors. Put them on the platform. Let them preach. Get in right when they're preaching. I'll come up and say, don't say that. Don't do that. It's time for you to pray for the sick. It's time for you to give an altar call. And I'm teaching them. That's why I could leave the crusade three days early and come home and preach this Sunday. Because I wanted to, but I had men that are ready. One of them just told me, Pastor, I'm going to Dominion Republic. Is that okay? I said, absolutely. From now on, I'm never going there. Taking it off the list. Ain't coming back. Take it. I don't want it. You got it. He said, okay, thank you. That's it. Hallelujah. That country's going to be one. So I don't have to worry about it. Already an ambassador headed that way. But we as a church have got to stop thinking that it's about us and thinking that church is bigger than what we're well, I'm going to get swallowed up you're not getting swallowed up you're caught by a net of 12 listen Phyllis and I went to a small church in fact had a dog get laid on the floor two old people that they had to lead there right maybe six or seven other people the problem is I can only remember two of those people's names and I never did meet the dog. So don't, don't tell me, oh, I just won't know anybody. You know as many people as you want to go, and you'll be as limited as you want to be, and you'll be as small as you want to be, or you'll be as big as you want to be. Amen. Your identity is not found in everybody rotating you. It's found when you begin to minister to other people. Absolutely. Praise God. I went to a church, and I bet you I didn't even know 12 people. Went to that church. He was pastor all my life until he died, and I buried him. I did his funeral. Yeah, listen, we have got to get beyond ourselves. So to get an amen. All right, well, praise the Lord. We only got 10 more minutes to endure this. Hallelujah. All right, now let's go and uh, look, and let's look at, let's go back to Luke the fourth chapter in verse 6 through 8. Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 6 through 8. Now, if you were offended at anything that I said, pretend like I never said it. 
Now it says this, And the devil said unto him, Jesus, All this power of the kingdoms will I give unto thee, and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Next verse. If thou, if thou wilt therefore worship me, and shall, it shall all be thine. And then Jesus said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, it is written, remember, what does it require for a person to be the kingdom? You must surrender to his will, adapt your life to his decrees, and labor for his purpose. Then are you in the kingdom of priests and kings unto God. You become a holy nation ruled by God. Go back there. All right, there you go. And it says, and thou shalt, watch this. This is what the word says. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him shalt thou serve. Notice worship and serve. What does the, worship, the word worship mean? Serve. Absolutely. It means a life of service to another. So here, Jesus says it is written that if you're a part of the kingdom, God's will for your life, his decrees, and his purpose for those that are ruled by him is the first thing we must do is worship God and serve him. Yes, yeah, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, good. Praise God. I'm, boy, you kind of got a little deader in your word than when you were in worship. Praise God. You aren't afraid, are you, Sharon? Okay. You okay, John? Okay, good deal. Hallelujah. John's holding up. All right, let's go to Psalm 29, 1 through 2. Let's see what it says about worship. How do we worship? How do we worship? How do we serve God with all of our heart? And it says, given to the Lord, O ye mighty, given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Here we see that we are to worship God to give him glory, to give him strength. That means we are to honor, we are to exalt God, we are to acknowledge that he is the rightful ruler, the one that in him do we live and move and have our being. Now let's join that with Psalms 113, one through five. Psalms 113, one through five. Now we've just seen that we are called to worship the Lord, amen? Worship the Lord. You would think that we would want to know how to do it. Remember, this is the purpose of every individual as well as a corporate gathering of believers. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye saints of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And the, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be what? Praise. Praise to be adored, worshipped. And the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is likened to the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Why do we worship God? For the simple fact that there is no other God besides him. Worship establishes value upon an individual or a person this case, 
God in someone's life. Who you put a value on, you worship. Have you ever heard, he worships the ground that she walks on? You do dream that, right? When crappie are biting, whose call are you following? The crappies or dreamers? Moving right along, there you go. We, oh, he worships. In other words, he is, she is the most valuable person in his life. She gets all of the attention even beyond that which would seem normal. So it is a value system and it is an attention system. Now, let's go over to Deuteronomy 4.19. Remember, we're talking about what worship is. Worship is that not only we worship God, but it means to serve God, to serve God. Deuteronomy 4.19. And least thou lift thine eyes unto the heavens, and when thou seest the sun, the moon, the stars, even the host of heaven, watch this, shouldest be driven to worship them and, what's it say? Serve them. Worship and serve are the same word. They are coupled one to another. They are inseparable in their meaning. And it says, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the heaven. Notice that your eyes can be drawn to something that has no life, gives no life, offers no salvation, offers anything else. You can be driven to place a value that only God should have in your life. And you will serve this inanimate object over a living and moving, loving, caring God. God warns us about that. We need to be cautious. In today's society, man has become a God unto himself. Well, what is that? The beginning of the old nation of the Egyptian, thus joining to the old Roman Empire. Fulfillment of prophecy. That's what we're seeing. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy 8, 18, and 19. Now, I know that it says, don't forget that it's God that giveth thee the wealth. We'll be talking about that later in the kingdom of finances. Deuteronomy 8, 18, there you go. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth, that he may do what? Establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day, next verse. And it shall be that if thou do all forget the Lord thy God, walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship. Notice the word, serve and worship again, join together by conjunction. Isn't that a, oh, is that a conjunction word, and? What is it? No, isn't and something? It's a conjunction. What is it? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I told you, it, it amazes me sometimes. 
when I get anointed, how wise I am. It is a conjunction that joins two things, meaning that they're dependent upon each other. Worship them, I testify again, this day that ye shall surely perish. So we don't want to allow our worship or our service in anything to take God's place. Come on, could I get an amen? All right, let's go to one more, Joshua 24, 14. Joshua 24, 14. Man, I hate to. I might have to close with this scripture, but I'm not going to. All right, Joshua 24, 14, it says this. Now, we're going to read clear down to the end of the chapter. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Now, wait, what does that word serve always mean? Worship. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, give him honor, give him reverence. That is, do his name because of his greatness and worship and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Next verse. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods... Well, now, what's this? The, these are really important words the gods which your father served and were on the other side of the flood. Anybody remember the flood of Noah? Remember that? On the other side of the flood, they were idol worshipers. And then it says, on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, remember one of the kingdoms, in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Next verse. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and to worship or serve other gods. Next verse, there you go. And for the Lord our God, it is he that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that wherein we went and are among the people through whom we passed. Next verse. And the Lord drave, drove out before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto thy people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. Now, this is where we're headed right here in these couple verses. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression nor your sins. Next one, there you go. And if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. Next verse. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve or to worship him, and they said, we are witnesses. And therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice will we obey. Notice how many times Joshua, remember who these people are. These are the people 
that have had their mother and father die in the wilderness. These are the people that have circumcised themselves, went over into the land of Canaan. Guess what they brought with them? The gods of their fathers that they worshiped before the flood and in Egypt and as they came out of Egypt. In other words, they needed to clean their life up. Really? They were serving God and worshiping the devil. Now we could go all through that again and I could show you how many times it says put away the gods that your fathers worshiped before the floods. Understand whatever level of worship and who you focus it on your children are going to take with them in every step of their relationship with God. Now, what does this mean? Let's go back to uh, Joshua 24, 23. Verse 23, Joshua 24, 23. And it says, Therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and then you will incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. In other words, if we have things that are keeping us out of God's best, our heart will drift from the Lord. Could I get an amen? Heart will drift from the Lord. Now, I would like to think that this was just an Old Testament problem, but if you'll jump to Acts, the 19th chapter, and verse 11. Acts 19, 11. Let's just see if it's new. And God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul, so that from his body were brought the sick, uh, unto the sick the handkerchiefs, the aprons, and the disease departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Wow, from a hanky. Woo. And then certain vagabonds of the Jews, exorcists, before Jesus, they still were able to exorcise or cast out devils. Remember, Jesus said, oh, well, you call me Beelzebub because your sons and daughters do the very same thing. He's a part of the priesthood. And then it says, took upon them to call over them that had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And then there were seven sons of one Sceva and a Jew and the chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And, the, and this was known through all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. Fear fell upon them and the name of the Lord was magnified. And many that... Many that were sinners. Many that what? Came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also which used. Now, many of who? Those that believed. Wow. Used curious arts, brought their books together, and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So grew the word of the Lord and prevailed. 
I think that this would show us the place where faith leaks out of the church. Because there are people in the body of Christ, in this church, like every church, that has more than two people, has these problems. Some people are still palm readers. Some people are still what look at the horoscopes. Oh, well, that doesn't hurt, Pastor. I'll just do it for fun, uh, said the dummy. <laughs> Stop it. I'm sorry. Stay back there. You're causing me problems. So there are people that dabble in this stuff. I've had Christians tell me, well, you know, I just thought I needed a word from the Lord, so I called the psychic line. Said the brother to the dummy. Now, I would like to say this is weird, maybe not, un, maybe not usual, but I have to tell you the truth. People wear charms around their necks. Well, the four-leaf clover doesn't mean anything. I know it just means you have faith in the leprechaun. I would just encourage you to believe in Jesus. I've never seen a leprechaun. Of course, I've never seen Jesus, but if I was going to be a betting man, I'd bet on Jesus, not a leprechaun. People wear charms around their neck, have little fat gods in their house called Buddhas, Hindu goddesses, books on all that type of stuff in their house, still listen to trash music, hip-hop, hard rock, all types of music that are simply godless. But we defile ourselves when the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 7.1 that we need to sanctify ourselves from fleshly sins and from spiritual sins so that we can perfect holiness in the Lord, because without holiness, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, no man shall see the Lord. Now you think, well, it's just a little thing, Pastor. Oh, man, it's no big deal. Yeah, I know it. Saul just went to one witch. <laughs> I mean, not like she had all her sisters there. It's just one. But I understand you're smarter than Saul. You can control it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Listen, it's time for the church to get rid of the gods that we served on the other side when we were in Egypt. And it's time for us to sanctify ourselves. You can call it whatever you want, old-time religion. You can call it clothesline religion. I don't care what you call it. I'm just telling you, we're going to have to start living right. We're going to have to stop watching movies that, that just use the Lord's name in vain. Oh, well, cussing don't bother me. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it doesn't grieve me. I, I'm used to it. You, you know, it's just the world, Pastor. You, you, you can't just get out of the whole world. I know, but we can be in it and not be of it. Amen? Some of us hooked on magazines. Not serious catalogs. Of course, there are some of us over here heckling that are, but some <laughs> no. Uh, pornography. We watch shows that 
are not having sex, but we know what they're doing under the covers. It's eluding us to think. You say, well, that's just a small thing. Yeah, I know it. But if the Bible says in Psalms that you want to see revival, remove the evil from before thine eyes. Now, we're talking about us being a holy nation. Not a worldly nation. Not, not one that you think God's going to be happy with. One that you, in fear and trembling, know that God's going to be happy with. Got to get an Amen. We, maybe it might be, well, you know, on Friday night, I just stopped to have one beer with the guys. I don't know if one beer will, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know if you get caught in Ohio and not in California, that your drunk level is lower than it is in California. Of course, when you get to heaven and God gives you a breathalyzer, I don't know what zero point is, I, I don't know. Maybe you ought to call up there and find out before you stop and have that bud with the buds. I mean, I, I would. I, I mean, I, I would. Gosh, well, I wasn't drunk. No, but you were out of your mind to go in there. So I think that when you really need to start examining ourselves. Now, again, you can, I don't care if you call me old time. I really don't care. Look, I, I love you. We built doors that go both ways. I don't want any of you to leave, but I'm just telling you, I think the time for compromise is over. And I don't think that you want to be, or at least I don't want to be the pastor of people that want to be like everybody else. I think that we ought to want to be like Jesus, who is our example. Amen? And though it may be acceptable to do so, he never smoked flax. Why? It was common back in that time, but Jesus never indulged in the pleasures of things of that nature. So we want to make sure that we are like God. So I'm going to challenge you this week to look at your life and everything you're doing and say, would I do this if Jesus was here? Nope. Then get rid of it because he's supposed to be there. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's going to be there. Right, John? And uh, so we have to be ready. And nothing that you're dealing with is worth eternity. I'm, I'm just telling you, sin can't give you what it's promising you. That's why you were trying to escape it when you got out. Amen? Amen? And so we want to make sure that we get rid of the things that our fathers worshipped or that we brought with us into the kingdom and have kept hidden under the floors of our tent, like Leah and uh, Rachel, thank you, did. They came, but they brought their father's gods with them. Now, we want to be careful of that, amen? Let's live for God, and let's just really honestly be the church that is called holy. Let's be the church that is known as the people of God. Amen? All right, praise God. We have got nowhere today. Hallelujah. But we learned some things. Amen? Stand your feet. All you fathers, head home, fix your own hamburgers. Praise God. Your wife's going to do the dishes after you're done with the paper plates. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am having today, right now, I am having a hamburger that my wife is going to fix me. Slow, well done, 
Praise God. And then home-cut French fries that I'll have to peel and that I'll have to put the grease on for because it's Father's Day and she wants to be with me. But that is going to be my Father's Day meal. Hallelujah. Amen. Mayo, tomato. We better quickly get out of here. I'll start gnawing on one of your hands. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for fathers. God, we thank you that you have put in us a heart that would turn our children to us and to us to our children. God, help us. Help us, God. Lay down standards that our children will not have to carry things into their relationship with God and be estranged from God or have their hearts drift from the Lord because of something that we are putting great value on. God, let us worship and let us serve you and only you. God, we want to be your people. Let the King have dominion over us. And God, let Jesus be Lord of our life over all that we do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah.